Hello, hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to the Lift Your Life podcast. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is okay. And enjoying January. I cannot believe that we're like already over halfway through the month. Like, what the hell? Where is it going? I know 2022 is just going to fly like 2021 did. But yeah, all is good in Lucy's world. So just a bit of a catch up as to where I'm at with things, if anyone cares. <laughs> so yes, I'm still following the sort of more relaxed approach to my training, to my nutrition, just living my best life. I'm just trying to be more intuitive, listen to my hunger signals and yeah, just enjoy food out. Like this weekend, I went out for a carvery with my family and didn't have any stresses or worries or anxieties. And I can definitely say that it's having a huge impact on my relationship with food, which I am still healing, you know. I think people look at me as a coach who works with women, you know, to improve their food relationship and think she's got her shit together. But I'm still healing years of, you know, dieting and years of restriction that I placed on my body. You know, those things leave scars and habits and they don't change overnight. So there are still things that, a few things that I'm still working on, but I know this more relaxed approach will really, really push me to do that. I do have a few goals that I may work towards towards the end of the year, which may involve me being a tiny little bit more regimented with my approach to my nutrition. But for now, I'm really enjoying just loosely tracking, eating more to my hunger, eating foods that I enjoy, and not being too worried about my scale weight or my body composition and just feeling energized and happy and healthy. I'm really, really enjoying it. But my own process of improving my food relationship led me to want to do this podcast episode because improving a food relationship is not an easy endeavor. It takes so much time and so much effort. And unfortunately, there are so many men and women out there now who do have a very, very poor food relationship due to misinformation, due to peer pressures and social pressures and poor diets. And it's really sad to see because Everyone should be in a place where they can enjoy food, worry and guilt-free, but also be in a body that they are happy with. So don't feel these compulsions to have to extreme diet and do all of these crazy things. So what I wanted to do today was to actually give you a bit of an insight into some practical ways on how you can improve your food relationship from an attitudinal perspective and also a behavioral perspective. So thinking about your thoughts around food and actually what you can physically go away and do to try and work on your food relationship. And these are all strategies that I do work on with my clients and we've seen some really, really huge progressions with it. You know, I've helped girls overcome binge eating. I've helped girls to overcome the all or nothing mentality to understand that they can eat more. And I wanna do the same with you, ultimately. So yeah, let's get to it. So I guess the first thing is to know when or what signs to look for in terms of do you need to improve your food relationship. So here are some of the, the key red flags for me that I look for when doing coaching consultations and looking at my clients' consult forms and speaking to them. Um, in thinking, right, okay, one of our main driving factors here in order to get them their physique goals is to improve their food relationship. So one of the biggest ones is obviously binge eating. Binge eating is huge. Obviously for me, if a client came to me with like clinical um, binge eating disorder or bulimia, I would refer them on. But if it is just, you know, a case of out of control, emotional binge related eating, then that is something to work on. Um, Huge levels of restriction is another one to look for, whether that's a compensatory behavior from binging or just feeling the need to restrict their food types and quantities all the time. 
that's one to look out for. Compensatory behaviors. So if you are overeating or going out for meals, you feel you need to compensate by, again, massively restricting your food intake around that event or going and doing more cardio or more steps. Obsessive weighing is one. So if you're constantly feeling the need to weigh yourself and check in on yourself every single day or multiple times throughout the day. And when you can't, you feel anxious. And to be fair with your foods. So if you feel that you have to weigh every single little thing to the gram all the time, unless obviously you are maybe a competing athlete, but if you're just an everyday person and you have that compulsion to feel that you have to weigh everything out, that's one to look for. Being on and off diets. If you're yo-yo dieting all the time, so being all or nothing, that's a sign that you know something isn't quite right with your food relationship. Otherwise, you would just be sticking to a diet and seeing it through. So it's not a bad thing. Please don't feel bad about that. But if you are on and off diets, there is something that probably does need to change. Skipping meals all the time. And yes, you might be thinking, well, if I don't want to eat this meal, that's fine. But obviously, and you'd be surprised at how much impact having consistent regular meal patterns can have with your with your mood your mentality your energy levels and honestly a food relationship so I'm going to come on to that one because that's a bit of a a bit of a different one but it really does make a difference if you're avoiding certain foods and avoiding situations around food secret eating excluding foods trying to suppress your appetite in any way shape or form all of these things guys are red flags that something within your food relationship for whatever reason just isn't quite right and it needs to change now one thing I want to put out there is I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to listen to this and think, oh, I tick loads of those boxes. What's wrong with me? And Because ultimately, we are the way we are through our lived experiences. The people that we've been around, the things that we've seen, the things that we've done, all of these things have shaped who we are today. So ultimately, you can kind of say it's not necessarily our fault that we are the way we are with food right now. But what we can do is take control and ownership of where we are right now and who we are right now and aim to be better and have a better food relationship and if you can have a better food relationship you will just enjoy your life so much more there's a good chance you will be healthier because you won't be overeating or undereating. you will be nourishing and caring for your body you'll be able to give to other elements of your life because your mental energy won't be so focused in on food on body image and all of these things all of the time. So the value it will bring to your life is immense. And how good would it be to be able to just rock up to a social event and not stress about calories and macros? To be able to then carry on about your day and not think I need to overcompensate. To be able to have a meal out and not worry about the fact you haven't been able to weigh it and all of these little bits and bobs just to really, well, lift your life. I had to put that, that in there because you know, branding. But anyway, let's get on to some practical strategies for how the hell you can really start to work on and improve your food relationship. So I want to start with some attitudinal changes first, because ultimately our attitudes about and towards food can very heavily influence our food relationship. So one of the first ones I want to say is a little bit of a hippie one, one that's a bit out there. You may not agree with it. You may not give it, you probably won't give it a go because I know most people sneer at things like this. But honestly, guys give it a crack. If you are someone who is very, very, very heavily influenced around food and thinks about food all the time, would you say you're quite food obsessed? Whether that's from an avoidance or an overeating stance, whatever it is, I want you to start to journal and gratitude, do a gratitude journal. So writing down things that you are grateful for and doing things that aren't related to food. So things in your life or things about yourself that you are grateful for, that are thankful for, that you are proud of each and every single day. 
And what that does over time is it really starts to make you more aware of the other elements in your life that bring you joy, that bring you happiness. And it drives a huge attention shift away from food and towards other elements in your life. So it can help you form kind of this new identity if you feel that your identity is very heavily influenced around food thoughts. And at least for the immediate 10, 15 minutes, five, 10 minutes, whatever it is, however long you spend doing it, you are taking your attention away from food for those moments. So again, if you know your binge triggers, you know triggers when you do find yourself emotionally eating, stopping yourself and doing a gratitude journal or journaling and just writing down thoughts and feelings or things that you are grateful for can be so hugely beneficial. I've seen it with myself. I know that me stopping what I'm doing if I'm ever feeling stressed or worked up about something food related or not, body image related or not, if I just write down other bits and bobs, it makes me think about the greater picture. And for a moment, I can completely detach from that. And sometimes those intrusive and invasive thoughts about food and body image that I do get sometimes just disappear because I've diverted my focus and energy to something else. And before you think this is just one of Lucy's hippie things, there is actually a lot of studies, uh, meta-analysis studies, which are huge studies, that show the benefits of gratitude work and journaling. So if you don't take my word for it, take the big sciencey boy's word for it, okay? Journaling and writing things down is something huge and powerful. And I used to, again, like you probably do now, think it's a bit, bit out there, a bit hippie, but honestly, it's so, so beneficial. And it's why I really, really push a lot of my clients to do it. So that's the first one. Second one um, is just basic nutrition education. If your understanding of nutrition is pretty rudimentary, educate yourself, guys. Educate and understand things like macros and micronutrients and the benefits and the different types and what they can do for your body. Understand the basic fundamentals of energy balance and understand that food, quite simply, is just units of energy to to fuel our body and nourish our body and give us the capacity to do our day-to-day tasks understand you know things like body fat and body weight and the differences between them just really really understand it because when you can understand the literal the literal black and white of it and you know dispel some of the myths around food and the silly dieting things that you've probably done in the past that maybe those false beliefs still linger you'll have such a better understanding of food and what it does for you and then you'll have a better relationship with it. My understanding of food used to be so poor and obviously I knew what food was and different food groups, but I didn't really understand the benefits of of protein and fats and carbs and the benefits of actually eating to fuel my body. And when I did and understood the the huge level of impact, and we're talking more than just from a physique perspective, we're talking about heart health and brain health and hormonal health and skin, hair and nails health and mental energy and all of these different things, you really start to see a different side to food because it's not just something that you eat and feel better for or satisfies you know, levels of hunger but actually adds so much to your life, to you as a person from so many different avenues. And I can't explain it. It's just, you see it in a totally different way. So if you don't really have a good understanding, honestly, guys, educate yourself, understand different macros, micronutrients, just really, really educate yourself because you will see food in a much better way and you'll feel so much better about it. So definitely, definitely educate yourself. And that's why I do educate my clients through our webinars and resources because I want them to understand food and the the values of different foods. And it will actually help you to eat better as well because when you really understand the value of eating, you know, a good healthy diet, 
you will want to do it more because you understand the value it's bringing to your life. So educate yourself, guys. It is key. What you learn in school and you know, vicariously through other people, honestly, it's not enough. And that does frustrate me. I think the school education system should teach kids and even adults more about, you know, foods and the basics, but that's another rant for another day. We'll save that one. So the next one, again, it's a bit of a hippie one, but honestly, again, it will hugely change your body image and self-perception and the way that you treat your body with, with food and like the compensatory behaviors. And that is functionality appreciation so that is basically appreciating your body for its for its functions and again this is a practice that you can do in journaling Um, and that is to and I do this quite a lot when I'm having a bad body image day instead of me just you know focusing in on the fact I don't feel good and I wish I was leaner and I wish I looked like this and had this I actually just write in my journal one of the things that I'm grateful for is my functioning able capable capable body and it's the small things that we, you know, we do, we have that we sometimes just neglect and don't appreciate that when you bring them to the forefront of your mind and imagine what it would be like without having it, you feel so much better about your body. So, you know, having five senses that work, you know, the fact that you don't have any limbs missing, the fact that you can see and feel and taste and all of these things. Now, anyone who's had COVID and lost their sense of taste and smell, how much gratitude did you have when that came back? Oh my God, I was just like so great. I was like, I will never take my taste and smell for granted again. And it's these little things, like when you're poorly, how much do you feel, you know, just appreciate just feeling functional and human and well? It's these little things. So take some time to reflect and look at your body beyond its appearance and just think about what it can do for you. What are you grateful for? Think about the basics and just then think, well, what would life be like if I didn't have that? If I couldn't see and hear and smell and taste? And shift your focus to what your body can do for you rather than how it looks. It's a very good way of improving your relationship with your body, which in turn can improve your relationship with food because if you have a much more better relationship with your body in terms of being such less focused on its aesthetics and appearance, you are going to be more likely to want to nourish and care for it when you are appreciating it for its capability. So you aren't going to want to do these overcompensatory behaviors. You aren't going to be as driven to, you know, completely weigh yourself all the time and feel that you need to be so disciplined with your food and you can't go off track because you care more about how you feel and, you know, rather than the, it's just, I can't explain it. I'm kind of explaining this really bad, but I promise you shifting your focus to your, the functionality of your body can have so much benefit more so I guess for body image, but honestly the the crossover between body image and food behaviors is huge because if our body image was perfect, would we behave the way that we do around foods from a negative perspective quite as much? Probably not. So if we can appreciate our bodies more and value them more and have more respect for them, we will probably respond with our food choices in a much better way. That's what I was trying to say, if that makes sense. So again, that can just be just something you do in your journaling. Just one little sentence a day, um, especially when you are having bad days, really makes a difference. Don't forget the small stuff, guys. It matters. Another um, thing you can do, and this is something that I do do with clients a lot who struggle with binge eating, who struggle with food anxieties and fears, is belief testing exercises. So people who, like you said, who maybe like yourself, who have quite extreme restrictive beliefs, like I can't eat this, I'm scared of eating this because I'll just binge, or I'm scared of eating this because I'll gain loads of weight, or you know, I had a client once who went to Slimming World, and because avocados were heavily sinned, heavily sinned, she was really really scared to eat avocados, 
Um, so everyone has these sort of, you know, belief systems for whatever reason, and it can make you have, you know, very, very distorted thoughts about certain foods. So what I do is you just basically introduce one of these foods one at a time or one of these events or whatever it is one at a time. So for me, I used to get huge anxiety about eating out if I didn't like pre-track it or pre-plan it. So what you do is you, you, you do this event, you literally just test your own belief. So what I would always do is kind of write down how you expect yourself to feel in that situation or what you expect the outcome would be. So for example, if let's go with the avocado one, I can't eat avocado because it's going to make me gain loads of weight. Or I can't eat cookies because they're going to make me gain loads of weight. I can't eat a chocolate muffin because I'm just going to binge and lose control, whatever it is. So you write down your expected outcome and then you, you go and do it and then you document how you actually react. And honestly, nine times out of 10, you can actually see that your, how you actually behave in that situation is totally different to how you expect, that your belief is totally distorted. And then you can just recalibrate that initial belief and say, well, actually, you know what? I can eat a chocolate muffin and not binge and I can eat these cookies and my weight doesn't move. And you know what? It's okay. And then you overcome that belief by literally proving yourself wrong. And then you can do that again if you've got more fears of more events. I had a client that we did this with at Christmas. So she was really, really nervous about some of like the Christmas markets and the events going on. She's like, I don't really know, have anything on track or anything because I'm scared that I'm gonna gain weight and what have you. So I just said, right, okay, go about your week as normal. And on that day, just go into this, the Christmas market and just have what you want and don't track it. That's what I want you to do. And then we'll see what happens and we'll, we'll take it from there. So she did, she went, she enjoyed herself. Um, she didn't put any pressure on herself to eat anything certain. She just went and had what she wanted when she was there. And actually that week she lost weight. And we proved to her that she could factor in and have something that she wants, that she'd had as a fear for ages. And honestly, there was nothing to worry about. And she didn't binge, like feared as well. It was, it was phenomenal. And it's all about just testing your own beliefs and proving yourself wrong. Because ultimately, I could tell you that, you know, there's no need to worry. Your coach could tell you there's no need to worry. Your parent, a loved one could tell you that there's nothing to worry about. But until you prove it to yourself, you will never believe it. It's like, you know, seeing is believing or what have you. Like kids tell about Santa and shit like that. But it's so true. When you actually experience something for yourself, your belief is going to be so much stronger about it. So just go and prove yourself wrong. So the next little bits that I want to move on to is some sort of behavioral changes that you can make in order to improve your food relationship. So the first one is one that I'm not the biggest fan on, but I do think for certain individuals, there is a lot of benefit to it. And that is intuitive eating. And that is learning to eat based off your internal hunger and satiety signals. I think for some people, this approach can work really, really, really well because it can help you understand the difference between physical and mental hunger. It can help you sort of self-monitor and regulate. But for me, I'm just not the biggest fan of this because I think for pe- for some people who I would never have been able to do intuitive eating because I needed some sort of structure to help me understand my hunger signals more. The free reign of just being like, well, just eat when you're hungry and eat when you're not would create so much decision fatigue and anxiety that it would probably lead me, lead me to massive overeating and massive undereating and potentially perpetuate my binge restrict cycle further. Intuitive eating is not something I'm going to bang about on this podcast because it's not really my area of expertise. It's not really something that I massively do. But if you are interested in it, definitely go give a read on it because I do think for some people, and I know for some people it has really worked, it can be fantastic. But the two things that I typically implement and I guess preach more are mindfully based eating, which does stem off intuitive eating. 
and flexible structured eating. So mindful eating is the notion of just being more goddamn present with eating because so many times, and especially in the modern day and age, we eat without even registering that we're eating. So we watch, we eat, you know, food when we're watching TV and scrolling our phones. We'll just grab and go when we're in the office, you know, there's some sweets on the side, you pick it up. And so many times people aren't even registering what they are actually eating. And when you can actually slow down and register and be present with the food you eat, you are so much more likely to eat to your hunger, enjoy your food more, be present with your emotions around food at that moment in time. And it can have huge benefit when it comes to just improving your food relationship. Again, mindful eating is something that I do sort of in smaller doses, more so for just being present around your food and being in the moment to help you understand your internal hunger signals and satiety cues. But it's not one of my, again, expert, expert topics. Again, if that's something you want to go and research, I would. But the basics of mindful eating honestly really do work. Like when you can actually stop and listen to your hunger and be more present around food and register the food you're eating, you are much more likely to eat in line with your hunger. Whereas when you don't eat, you don't even focus on what you're eating, you are much more likely to overeat. So just something to consider. Just think about when you're in the cinema, right? When you're watching a film, how easy is it to like smash the popcorn and smash the chocolates and sweets that you're having because you're not actually thinking about them, you're just eating them. Whereas if you're sat down to a meal and there's no distractions there, you probably, and imagine the same amount of food put in front of you, you probably won't eat as much. And that's because you are actually focusing in on the food and your hunger signals at the time. So honestly, that's a huge one. Mindful eating is huge. And it really can and will make you more aware of yourself, your eating behaviors, your hunger, your fullness, and really, really help you with things such as emotional eating, just general overeating, so many different benefits. And then the final, the biggest one that I kind of preach and and do is structured flexible eating. And this is the approach that I follow with pretty much all of my clientele and follow with myself. And it's what's helped me personally to really, really heal my food relationship. And this is the idea of having structured timings and typings of meals to an extent, a schedule to your eating, but with no real boundaries in terms of food types if that makes sense so what I mean by this is if you if I just said to a client right these are your calories go and eat them that's quite a daunting task because you know you've got well how much do I eat when and you know well if I just have 1800 calories I could have a pizza a day and they're not really eating anything else all day and that wouldn't heal a food relationship because then that would be well I'm restricting my calories in order to just have something big and I'm not then actually fueling or nourishing my body so Structured flexible eating gives you a bit of a structure to your day in terms of eating, which allows you to get into a routine with your eating. And honestly, I think a a routine with your eating can have such huge benefit on your food relationship because you don't obsess over food as much. You don't think about food as much. Now that as soon as I got a structure to my eating in terms of similar meal timings and types, my food focus is like the lowest it's ever been. Because when you just have this free reign of you could just eat whenever you want, whenever, you're just thinking about it all the time. So again, that can lesser you know, behaviors such as restriction and binging and emotional eating because you're just not thinking about it as much. It's just part of your day-to-day routine rather than this big, big thing. And it can really, really help as well with 
overcoming, you know, again, binge eating, you know, compensatory behaviors, restriction, because if you have a structure, which I usually say is more of a regular eating, I'm not saying seven meals a day, like a freaking bodybuilder, but just more regular frequent meal servings, you're less likely to go long periods of time without eating. So you're less likely to restrict yourself. You're less likely to experience extreme hunger because you aren't going, again, long periods of time without food, letting your blood sugars drop. So it can really, really help you to stay satiated, stay full, stay energized throughout your day because the fact of the matter is when you don't eat for long periods of time, you get hungry, you get tired, you get ratty. And when we feel like that, what do we want? We don't want to feel like that. So we eat. Then we can feel bad about it. And then, so again, that vicious cycle perpetuates. Whereas if you have a structure, you aren't thinking about it as much like, right, this is when I usually go for my lunch. This is the kind of foods I usually have for my lunch. Or this is what I'm fancying for my lunch today. And it just makes everything flow so much better. And honestly, it really makes a difference. And when I say structured flexibility, the structure and the discipline lies in the kind of making sure you're eating regularly, similar sort of meals, similar times a day. But flexibility lies in the fact that it's not a meal plan. You don't have to eat the same meals every day. Yes, there is structure, but you can also, you know, for example, on a weekend, if you have a lie-in and then, you know, you just want a big brunch rather than breakfast and lunch, you can do that. You can choose what the foods you want. If one day you're like, you know what, I really fancy this or a bit of that, you can include that. But again, the structure for me is so beneficial in terms of meal styles, if that makes sense. So for example, having certain kinds of foods for breakfast or a certain size of a lunch like some people prefer having more food earlier some people prefer having more food later on so it's just working around your body's needs and wants and hunger and sticking with that structure and routine and honestly the benefits to your food relationship will be huge because when people don't have any structure to their eating and they just wing it they go long periods of time without eating then they eat crap then they feel bad about it so you see how that vicious cycle can go so honestly structure in my opinion, is the key to food freedom. And it sounds very sort of counterproductive, like how can being disciplined and how can being structured and regimented give you freedom? But honestly, it really, really, really does. And I'm aware this podcast has been very, very rambly, but there was so much to cover that I wanted to share with you that I wanted to kind of just give you a bit of a whistle-stop tour of everything. Otherwise, if I delved into the studies and the in-depth of everything, it would have been a a, a very long podcast (laughs) indeed. So... I hope that has given you some sort of insight into ways that you can move towards sort of more normal-based eating to heal your food relationship and improve it. If you have any questions of anything I've said on this podcast, please feel free to shoot me a message over on Instagram. It's Lucy underscore lift your life. And as always, I appreciate every single share, like, can you like a podcast? I don't know. I think on Apple, you can review it. Anything that you do just to, you know, share the love and it really do appreciate it. And obviously the more people that listen, the more I can grow it, the more I can do with this podcast. So I appreciate you all. But as always, have a fabulous day. Have a fabulous week. Whenever you are listening to this, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next year, I don't know. But I hope it's been helpful and I will see you on next week's episode.